Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year, we all congregate. The bounce all gathered at the church of Tilgate. The scriptures reading from the book of Monson. Our favorite verse, my God, of precious. Drunk and obnoxious, what children face. Ain't nothing finer in the land. Now the 3,000 of our best friends. It's Saturday in that thing. Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And Boss, we've reached a, a seminal moment in the podcast. This is our 100th episode taping tonight. And, you know, we couldn't just do willy-nilly with these two Huckleberries, HG and Boss, talking. So we had to bring in a real, real special guest for this. So we've got our uh, good buddy and DGD, Ray Fulcher, here with us tonight. Ray, what's up, brother? Yes, sir. What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me on for the for the monumental episode here. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, last time we talked to you was last fall, I think, yep. before the Tennessee game. Yep. And, brother, it's been some kind of year for you, man. So since we last talked to you, you know, played the Opry twice. You yep. released the Larkin Hill Mixes EP. Yep. Yep. And you played on the Dern Marty and McGee show, man. I mean, Lord, brother. I know. It's been a uh, man. Yeah. What a year. What a year for, for me personally. And what, what a year for the dog so far, man. My gosh. <laughs> and your Braves are in the series. I mean, <laughs> Braves are in the series, man. Yeah. It's, you know, somebody said to me the other day, they were like, they were like, I'm not okay. And I was like, what do you mean? Is see something wrong. And they were like, no, it's just that the Braves are in the World Series and the dogs are number one in the land. I said, well, Take some time and soak it up because if you think <laughs> about it, it don't really don't get better than that unless both of them take care of business the whole rest of the way. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just an incredible thing, and I've told you before <laughs> that that all growing up and still to this day, I'm a I'm a tortured Orioles fan. And uh, Buck Showalter used to be the manager of the Orioles, and he used to say all the time, he goes, "People are always talking about and pining for the good old days." And he said, "These here right now are the good old days." Yeah, and that couldn't be more true for Dogs fans and Braves fans. So yeah, what a, what an awesome fall and a lot of magical things going on. So I texted with you earlier today that yeah. today is the 14th anniversary of <laughs> the Gator the Gator Stomp, that- and. Uh, Our boy here was in attendance that day yeah. on the sidelines. So I want to hear your full recollection of that day. So I'm going to take, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to take you back during practice that week. And because we kind of knew, we didn't know that was coming, but you know, so I was a student assistant. I worked with the quarterbacks and all. So earlier that week on Thursday, coach Rick said to every, you know, brought the team after, you know, kind of, the, the haze in the barn, you know, Thursday afternoon. So he brings the uh, the team together, and I'll never forget. He was he goes, hey, does everybody look at me? 
because I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right here, and I mean every second of it. He's like, we're gonna we're gonna win the toss Saturday. We're gonna take the ball, and we're gonna go score. And if we don't get a 15 yard unsportsmanlike conduct, every <laughs> single one of you is gonna run till you pass out on Monday. And now, obviously, the whole team obviously was like, "Dang, Coach Rick got an edge to him," you know. <laughs> like, and so that's what we, we won the toss. Got the ball. We ran it 10 straight times, I think. And what's funny is, so on game days, I would um, – part of the game, I would be – or like when we got down in the red zone, I would move down to uh, inside kind of the media box um, outside of the, the outside of the, the 30, which is on both sides, the 25 or 30 is where the team's supposed to stay in there. Well, I would always move down to like the goal line to kind of – we would all – you know – me and a couple of student assistants just to get a better angle of what was going on. And, uh, and I, I was literally standing on, on the, the right at the goal line. And when no Sean, you know, reached the ball over and I, I mean, I could tell it was, they, they, re, you know, they did a, a review or whatever, but you could see it I mean, from where I was, you could see the ball break the plane. And I'll never forget. I was like, you know, obviously celebrating and you got to keep it contained a little bit on the sideline, but, uh, I remember noticing like just an army of people coming out of, the, out of our sideline. <laughs> I looked up and it was the whole team. And I just was like, I was like, well, they're not going to be running on Monday for sure. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget how mad Urban Meyer was after that. It was like, they were so shell shocked. They just never, you know, we pounded them that day. Um, they got us back ne- the next year, but <laughs> They did. Well, so we uh, we had Coach Rick on about two months ago to chat with him about his book, which is fantastic. And he told us a little bit about it. And he said, in my brain, when I was telling the team what to do, yeah. I just envisioned only the offense that was on the field would do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's kind of what he said afterwards. He, he was like, I didn't, I didn't mean everybody. But <laughs> them boys didn't want to run. man. No, they didn't. Oh, God, I just love that. I think that's one of the best stories. And I want to give you some numbers on this. Yeah. Pre, Pre-Gator Stomp, Georgia was 2-15 and 15 in the previous 17 cocktail parties. 7-7 yep. seven and seven since the Gator Stomp. So I, I'm not saying Man. that it changed it, definitely but I'm also not, not saying it. <laughs> it's definitely a turning point. So. so when's the last time you went to the cocktail party? I mean, I know you're busy during the season yeah, now. So and, when's the last um, time you've been? You know what? I think the last time I'm trying to think real hard, but I'm pretty sure the last time I was at the cocktail party was my last one on the sideline, which was 2010. 2010. So that was Aaron Murray's first year. I think we lost an OT. Yes. Good game. Really yeah. good game. Really good game. Yeah. Heartbreaker. That was the only one he lost. Pretty, pretty sure that's when they, I'm pretty sure that's when they, uh, wore like the orange they had the blue jerseys with like just the orange sleeve i think remember that just like the orange yep. order which yeah. is like gross <laughs> yeah because then they what they let they won in 11 one in 12 one in 13 yeah. todd had the big game in 13 and then 12 was the jarvis jones six turnover game yep yep Against yeah Brandy. yeah god those were some those were three straight good years i feel like when you live through them getting beat so many times to then live through them playing better it's been incredible yep. like that 17 game was incredible because they just 
destroyed them. And it was oh. such it was such a fun watch. I to mean, see it that it, way. It was, yeah, I mean, I, it never. I mean, just destroyed them. So I'm trying to think. Ten, boss. You know when they did the renovations? Because see, the last time I had been before last year was '08, and it was a whole different fan experience this time. Because you know, all tell before was kind of a dumpy fan yeah. experience, but it, it it was nice. I want to say it's after because it felt the same in 2010. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it was 13 when they did the renovations. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I mean, it's nice now. You know, they got that amphitheater right off of one end zone, which is where they were holding the AEW wrestling like every yeah. every uh, during all of COVID and everything. Well, it was outdoors. Take, it didn't take about 33 years, but they finally listened to Larry. Now they are going to have to renovate. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Yeah, so last year we parked in the Jacksonville Bulldog Club lot. And yeah. let me tell you, brother, that was some kind of fun. Like you talk yeah. about a cool crowd and yeah. they had Dave, they had Dave Hellwood there with his table doing all his art and had all his prints. Like, man, it was it was really cool. So it's it's bosses and I. Well, I'm not gonna speak for boss, but it, it's my favorite week of the year. Yeah. I love cocktail party week. Oh. I just I think it's such a cool thing. It's such a special rivalry, plus it's a neutral site. But also, it always, every year, feels like the first game each year where it officially feels like fall. It's like, yes. this is fall football, you know. And because we always have the off week, and sometime during that off week, it turns a little cooler, colder. The tree, the, the leaves start turning, and then by the cocktail party, it's like we're in full fall football mode, you know. So, you know, that, it, it's a different feeling. It's always a, a different feeling coming back from that off week i think it's like a different chapter of the season always and to start it with florida's yeah it's just like it's so tradition you know so let me tell y'all a story because this is kind of a, a crazy thing this is indicative of the things that i do that that boss will tell you is my crazy but i was up in law school in boston from 06 to 09 and all my buddies were from the midwest so i had none of them in the SEC football game or anything like that. So I organized an RV trip from Boston, Massachusetts to Jacksonville, Florida for the 08 cocktail party. Matthew Stafford, no Sean So there's eight of us knuckleheads on this RV driving down and all you can hear is screeching tires and beer cans popping. I mean, that's the whole 20-hour drive or whatever. So then we get down there and we stayed in like RV city. So like we were yeah. there from Wednesday night through Sunday morning and it's always Halloween weekend. Well, then boys had never been South of the border. So I stopped them off at South of the border and we all got ponchos and sombreros. And for the Halloween night in RV city, we all dressed up as a mariachi band. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's we awesome. had a big time, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the, Dogs got the doors blown off because that yeah. was the Gator Stomp Revenge game. Right. So it was a it was a long weekend for yeah. your boy. <laughs> I mean, they got stomped that game. <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad, man. But yeah, that was that was the last time I had been in Jacksonville before um, before last year. My brother and I went down last year and we had a, a wow. really really good time. Well, so dude, I can't agree with you more about the weather thing, which the listeners yeah. can't see, but my outfit is indicative of that change. Uh-huh. I told I told I boss, I said. I had to bring the beanie out, man. I said it's it's under sixty degrees here in the Low Country. That's winter time, man. Oh, it's winter down there. <laughs> you got that right. It's air, yeah. air up here in Tennessee. My gosh. Oh, I bet, man. So yeah. my brother lived in Nashville. He said it used to get real, real cold. 
And I, it like surprised. It'll get. I mean, Tennessee. I feel like Nashville's that one spot that like, you know, and where you're at, and then where I'm from, Harlem, outside of Augusta, Georgia. It's like, it's kind of anytime when you get above like Chattanooga, is when it's different north of that. You know, it's more like a, it's more like a Midwest climate almost. Yeah. Um, you know, it's in the definitely Nashville's in the south and all that, but it ain't no, like it ain't deep south. You know, so. <laughs> It'll get – I mean, I've seen it here, minus two, you know, and I'm out on that. I'm so out on it. Nope. Yeah, that's a hard pass, brother. Yeah. I mean, last year it, it snowed for – I mean, we're used to those dustings or whatever in, in Augusta, and every once in a while it'll come every few years, maybe an inch or whatever of snow. But it got – I mean, last – it was in – actually it was this year. It was in February. And for four days straight, it snowed for four days straight. Mm-mm. And I ain't never been around that, you know? Nope. That's, that's a hard pass, man. We were in Boston. The second winter we were there for something like 93 straight days. It didn't get above 32 degrees. My nope. God. I made a vow right then and there that I would never live in that kind of climate for the rest oh. of my life. <laughs> Can't, do Can't do it. Nope. Can't do it, man. Well, hey, I want you to, to give our listeners a little bit of insight. I want you to tell them. Tell them the Marty and McGee story from your perspective, just kind of what the experience was like and kind of what it was like for you sitting there in the lawn in front of the special collections library, your alma mater, you know, getting to play this song that I know has become near and dear to your heart. So many people have embraced and love. Well, what's, you know, what's interesting about it is I was, you know, Marty's, we become friends, but but Marty was just kind of a fan at first, which was kind of crazy and awesome. And I've been a fan of his, and so you know we've we talk a few times a year and stuff. And um, but I played a show on Monday at that Monday before in Nashville, and I was I remember I was there side stage, and I got a text from Marty. I was like just about to go on, and Marty, uh, I looked at it, and he was like, "I know this is a long shot," and then so I was like, "All right." I'm going to play this show and then, cause I don't know what this is, but it's going to be something that needs my attention. So uh, uh, anyway, I come off stage and I read it and he's like, I know it's a long shot. I looked at your schedule. You're playing in Cleveland on Saturday night, but if there's any way to make it happen, man, how cool would it be to come play love you, son, go dogs at Marty McGee show and all this. And I'm like thinking, man, that's a dream come true. But I, you know, this show in Cleveland is, it's for charity and like, there's no way I can move this. And so, I originally told him no. I was like, I don't, I don't, I can't make that happen as much as I want to. I woke up the next morning. I was like, there's a way we can do this. So I, I was like, look, man, we're going to try to figure it out logistically. So we figured it out and I get there on Friday, late Friday night and then get driven down to Athens. My tour manager was down in Atlanta. And so he picked me up, drove me to uh, Athens, got there about midnight. So it, eight o'clock I had to be on set. So drove there. And then, so my version of a sound check is, is, you know, you get set up, you go through a song or whatever and okay, everything's feeling right. I get there and the production team's like, Hey, great to meet you, man. We're so happy to have you. And I'll hang in with Marty for a minute. And they go, all right, we'll do a quick sound check. Say, cool. So I'm standing there. They plug this thing in my guitar. They sit a mic in front of me and these, somebody behind me puts these things in my ears from behind me. I'm like, Whoa. So I'm, these, these TV like inner monitors, which were super nice and comfortable, but I never had one of those. I usually have my own in ears, but they feel different than those. So anyway, I'm like, cool. So I'm going to 
to kind of do a song and sing. So I literally go, hey, buddy, it's me. And they go, all right, cool, we got it. Take it down. And so I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's the sound check. And so anyway, I'm sitting there watching the show, and this this girl, she, they, point, they let me know where I'm going to be. And so she comes and grabs me during a commercial break and goes, all right, follow me. You're on in three minutes. I'm like, three minutes? And she goes, yeah. So I, I have my guitar on, and we go, and we sit on the stool. They put the mic in front of me. And uh, so I kind of go to singing the mic. I was like, hey, man, I don't, I don't hear anything. He's like, no, you, you're not supposed to yet. I was like, can we get a check-in just to make sure everything's working right? He's like, no, man, you're good. You'll be good. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> so here, the funny thing about it was I was standing on this – I was sitting on this stool, and everybody that you see on TV is behind me. Yeah. So in front of me, though, is this this huge screen that people are watching on. And so when I'm playing for a million people or whatever – I it all it's just me up there and looking up and seeing myself on the screen, but the screen is like just a little bit behind. Right. So I made a mistake of looking up one time and I was like, Oh, I can't do that. Cause I was like, it'll throw you off <laughs> if you're watching, you know? So yeah. anyway, so it just was, it wound up just being like me and just a, a little half field by myself. And then, you know, it, it's strange being that isolated, but also knowing that a million people are watching. So man, but it was, to do in that moment, you know, and I, and sometimes with what I do, it's hard to, because of the, the levity and the weight of a moment like that will sometimes not allow you to kind of be present, you know, just cause you're like, I got to do a good job and all this, but I really try to allow myself to just take that in and just that moment of being at the alma mater and, you know, being there with, on Marty's show and getting to sing that song, man, it was I was able to kind of take it in while I was playing and, and it was real special. Well, I, I talked to you a little bit about this, but from the viewer's perspective, one of the cool things, and I, you know, I don't know how many people that are casual folks. I mean, we know, cause we've talked with you. So like, I knew that you and Marty were buddies and I, I'm, I'm curious for people who didn't know that if they could tell, because like watching it, I was excited Cause I knew Marty was going to do it justice because you're his buddy and he understands the gravity of it. And he understands how special it was. And man, I thought he did such a beautiful job of not just setting it up, but the energy that he set it up with, right? Like yeah. he was legitimately fired up and oh, it was so awesome. Like I mean, just yeah. really, really awesome. You know, he's had a lot of cool moments, man. He's, you know, done a lot of stuff. And he texts me right after the game or right after right after I left. So another crazy part is back up a second. I'm play I started playing the song at 936. To make all this work, by 945, I was in a car headed to the airport. I mean, it was like finish the song, hug Marty's neck, like leave that moment. And so Right after Marty McGee got finished, I'm on the way to the airport, and he sends me a text and goes, out of all the stuff I've done, that that legit might have been the most special moment in my career. And, like, for him to say that was like, I mean, you had a lot of big moments, man. You know what I mean? So that was, you know, he was legitimately fired up. And that guy's he's just. Well, homie, I can tell you he's being real when he says that because okay. that yeah. was that was obvious watching him. Like, dude, he sang the whole song. Like, Cameras caught him. He was full fledged wailing it, like first verse in. It it was awesome. Like it just it it made it 
I don't know. The gravity of it was appropriate because of that. And look, I texted you this. We're, we're biased, right? right? But for me, it stole the show. Like it was the moment from their episode in Athens was that because of the whole thing. It was incredible. Plus I had told you, dude, he had a pretty good ball hat prominently oh, on the yeah. couch or in yeah. his hand or wearing it the entire episode. It was awesome. He, he posted about it and all, which was so cool, you know? So, yeah. Well, yeah, man, it was, it was so cool. We were just so happy that you had that experience and man, just such a, such a cool thing. And, you know, like we always tell you, well, well earned and well deserved. So, so fired up. You got to do that. So, what you you get to Atlanta and they just fly straight up to Cleveland, and then you play Cleveland, and then you were back in the airplane. What seven o'clock Sunday morning, weren't you? Had a six six thirty flight. So I'm I'm from Atlanta. I'm from I'm from Nashville to Atlanta to Athens, back to Atlanta to Cleveland, back to Nashville. Forty eight hours or something. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah. Boss, I, I told Ray, I said, I said, my grandma would have said, you got wheels on your ass. That's what she used to tell yeah. us when we were traveling all the time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought that was cool. Well, um, I want to talk to you a little bit, too, about we, I got to see you. I got to take my wife and see you when you're yeah. down here in Isle of Palms playing at the Windjammer. Yeah. Um, and I just want to stand on the, the table and tell everybody listening that if y'all haven't seen Ray play in person, get on it, folks. This boy puts on a good show. And I want this to be known too. It was Ray, the stage, the mic, and his guitar. That was it. Yeah, that's it. And it, it was awesome. I mean, those, those, those turn into some of my favorite things to do. And it's, you know, it's, it's a separate energy when you have the band. But what's cool about them shows is I can kind of, you know, change stuff on the fly or like, man, if I, I hadn't played a song in a while or I want to go, you know, play Love You Son, Go Dogs. And, the band knows it and stuff, but kind of I get to decide when and where and in the set that I play it and also what stories I tell. And so, and that's kind of, I mean, that's how it started. So I always love doing that when it's just me and a guitar, you know? So, but yeah, thank you for telling the listeners that y'all come on to a show and, and check out the music. Yeah, it was great. And I thought you had a good dogs contingent in the house that night. There's a lot yeah, of people did. singing, love you, son, go dogs. I mean, it was, it was cool. Yeah. Really cool. It's funny that like even some of the people who like booed when I said dogs, we're singing that song, you know, it was like, yeah, you know, I think though, and you've talked about this, but I yeah. think there's a lot of reality to this. That song is as much, if not more about a daddy and a son as it is about somebody's favorite football team. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it really is a daddy and son song for me. It was just, that's what my, that's what mine and my dad's thing are is, but and, and what, you know, what I hope people get out of the song, what I think they do is that, okay, for Ray, that's his thing. But it's not a song about the dolls. It's a song about him and his dad and that yep. conversation. So people can insert whatever it is. You know, it could be, you know, talking about hunting and fishing or talking about whatever team or, you know, talking about BMX. Right? It doesn't matter. You know, it's whatever it is for them. So, uh you know, so I, I'm I'm happy that people from other teams have actually messaged me and gone, "Hey, I'm I can't stand the dogs. I hope we beat y'all by 50." But <laughs> that song, man, I sat in my car and cried. You know, and like that's where music transcends all the other stuff. You know, so well, one of the songs you played at your show at the Windjammer, you did a cover of Tim McGraw's "Just to See You Smile." Yeah, which was awesome, and. I, I told you, I said, well, when you come on, I'm going to need to know your five Tim McGraw songs 
that you can only listen to for the rest of your life. You only get to pick five, what's your five going to be. So I'm, I'm going to put you on it now. Tell everybody yeah. what they'd be there. I'm a big, I'm a big Tim McGraw fan. Big. Um, but I think if I had only five, one would be just so you smile because that song's never gotten old to me, which is why it's, that's why I play it because I just love playing. It. I love singing it. It's just one of the best written songs of all time. So there's one. Not a moment too soon is another one. It's just there's something about that guitar. Not a moment too. Doesn't get old. Um, also, there is there's two off the same record that are just back to back on the record that, that don't sound totally different, even though they're totally different songs. It's uh, Never Let's It Go to Her Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we should just sleep on it tonight. And, you know, I have a tie for the fifth one. Um, and one of them is not, was not a single, but there's something really cool and, about this song. And it's really hard to pick the Tim songs for me because I love that era of Tim so much, but yeah, um, these two are newer. And one of them is it's called Portland, Maine. I don't know if you've heard that, but it's just an album cut. Um, but go check it out. You know, listeners go check it out if you hadn't. It's, it's really cool. Um, and he's really talking about, it's kind of, it's this, this girl is moving in the song. This girl is moving to this place called Port. It's a town called Portland, Maine. And, uh, and then the singer, Tim, in this case is, is saying like, this is it. Like if you're leaving, this is it. And I'm not coming to visit because you say you're coming back. I know you won't. And, and the hook is like Portland, Maine. I don't even know where that is. And, and it's funny that about that song and, and, it's a, it's a, so, so well written and all that, but the town of Portland, Maine kind of got up in arms about that song because they were like, well, you mean you don't know where we are? You know, like, <laughs> the world, you don't know where Portland, Maine is. So, um, and, and, and so it was kind of a funny deal that he, he kind of addressed, I think on some TV show or whatever, but anyway, love that song. And then also uh, kind of tied for that fifth spot is I call mama, which uh, was a single that came out last year and went number one, but, classic Tim to me, vintage Tim. And also one of my buddies wrote it. And, uh, it's a kind of a, a true story for him. And if you listen to that song, you know, it's about a guy who finds some, you know, bad news from back home. And, and the first thing he did was like, man, I got to call mama. And which is a true story. And also it's from someone who's close to their mom and, uh, yeah, it just hits home. So I made boss pick his five and I picked five, but I, before we give you ours, I got to know how difficult was that? Because it was real hard for me. Real hard. I mean, there's, there's 10 or 15 that like, kind of, yeah. you know, yeah, probably. And later on, I'll probably go, man, that this song I left off was probably number three. You know what I mean? It's just tough. Yeah. He's what well, his catalog's so big too, man. That like, mm-hmm. and I, I think too, he has, and I think it's why he's been so successful his sound has evolved, right? Oh, yeah. Like, and well, he, he's been able to to navigate the shift in in like where the genre is. So, yep. All right, boss, let's hear that list, brother. Hear it, boss. All right. So, I became a Tim fan later in life, even though he was the headliner of my very first concert that I went to. I did not actually go to see Tim. I was twelve years old and was a big fan of uh, Little Texas. So I went to go see Little Texas as a 12-year-old. My mom took me to my first concert to see Little Texas. That was back in the don't take the girl days. Um, Yeah. So 
five songs for me. Uh, Red Ragtop, probably my favorites. Love it. Uh, that's a heavy. Better, that's a heavy one too. Yeah. My best friend. Heard that song today. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Better than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Live like you were dying, and my next thirty years, which actually I didn't hear as a Tim song first because I am went to James Madison and Phil Vassar wrote that song and is a Jamie yeah. Rad and I heard him yeah. play that several times awesome. at JMU. Yeah boy. So, yeah. yeah man Phil's a Lynchburg boy. He he's yeah. Virginia. He so me and me and boss tuned into him man. That's that's one of my favorite lines he wrote as an American child. I was 10, I was 10, I was playing first base with a second hand yeah. glove and dirt on my face. Nowhere, yeah. Virginia. Yeah, man. Can't beat that, brother. Can't <laughs> beat that. Yeah. Well, um, all right. I'm just going to tell y'all. Yeah. And this is just a nostalgia thing. Yeah. All my Tim stuff is pre-2000. <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I mean, that's gold. And, and I'm going to say this, too. I could have picked all five off a of place in the sun. And oh, I got a little backstory on that, though. And see, this is how music is now. I got memories associated with all this. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked at the pool when I was in eighth and ninth grade. I was a lifeguard. Now, reason I became a lifeguard was because I had a Georgia sized crush on this senior girl who was a lifeguard, right? Like she oh, yeah. was my she was like my real life Wendy Peppercorn. Okay. Wendy and your Pepper, boy, right. yeah, your boy Squints was trying to get it in. Well, mm-hmm. her her favorite album was A Place in the Sun. So every time she was on a lifeguard, stand, like a keeper already. <laughs> got that right. So she yeah. was rocking it. And I thought, you know what? If I can get on K95 top five at nine and record this thing and figure out all these lyrics, I'm right. going to be, I'm going to be her one. Right. See, the, right. most of the, most of the kids listen, don't understand that struggle. Y'all just get on your computer and listen to what song <laughs> you want. You don't, you, don't have, you don't even know about that. Having to wait <laughs> to hit that record button just right. They don't know. They don't know about that. So. I got I got five all pre two thousand. My first one is ninety four down on the farm. Mm. I mean, that's oh. just you can't beat that. Um, I got from ninety seven where the green grass grows. Hard to beat. Which, plus, I, I texted with you, but I went down to Craig Weissman rabbit hole and yep. he wrote that one. So I mean, yeah. you can't beat that, man. No. And then the next three are all going to be from a place in the sun. And it got real difficult on this, but somebody must be praying on me could be on my five songs for the rest of my life list, <laughs> much less just a Tim list. Like, that's a great one. Oh, that's such a win, man. Uh, Carry on from that album. Great song. Mm, that's good. And then my last one is uh, something like that. And again, that was that was my my lifeguard crushes. That was her you jam, homies. Those are all great. You know what's crazy is like there was no overlap from any of us, really. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, that that's the craziness about his catalog. Yeah, yep. I mean, I will. The guy, the guy had just cuts incredible songs. Tell you ride was right on the fringe for me. That almost got cut in there. That would have been my only post two thousand song. I do love that. That album. that album is something else, man. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's good, man. So when you played it, I, I told Jenna, I was yeah. like, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go back in the catalog now and, and pull it all out and start playing yeah. again. Cause you just, you know, you you don't you don't play all the old stuff like you right. would, you know. But yeah, so that's cool. Well, man, see, listeners can make a full Tim mixtape just off them yeah. them lists because there's no overlap. 
And if they want to go down a, <laughs> uh, if they want to go down a Phil Vassar rabbit hole, I mean, oh, that's a great one to go down. That dude is, ta- I mean, he's got talent losing out of the ears. Let me tell you something. Six Pack Summer, about one of my all-time favorite drinking songs ever. Fun. That top pop right in the front. I mean, <laughs> you can't beat that, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I think the unique thing about him, too, is he, he wrote two songs that Jody Messina cut that when she sings them, you think a woman wrote them, right? Yeah. Like, just them. right. But they're on, they're on his greatest hits album, and then he sings them, and you're like, man, Phil is... <laughs> he's up. something man he up. wrote this he wrote this song called dancing with dreams that like hits you right between the eyes man mm. like i don't know what a gift like i think that's one of the beautiful things about you like it's awesome that sh- that you perform that you perform and you have a gift like i told my wife that i said that's a gift what he did tonight like he had that whole crowd that didn't know him he hadn't met them before by the end of the night they were all they would done whatever he told them to do because right. he'd he'd entertain. That's a gift, man. I mean, that, you, man. yeah. I mean, that's real, and it was it was awesome. And you could tell that you have put in the hours to work on your craft. Like right. if the glad if the Gladwell thing is ten thousand hours, like that was obvious during the performance. I mean, it was very polished and really really good. But Thanks, I think the the beauty of your gift is how you're able to tell a story with your words. I think that's the beauty of all songwriters is to be able to essentially put a chapter chapter book into three verses and some hooks. Right. And I don't know, man, it's just, it's a beautiful gift. And I always tell you to keep living in your light. And that's the truth, man. I mean, you're you're doing it, brother. That meant a lot that night. And I appreciate it, my man. Well, um, I want to talk to you now a little bit about the dogs because it's been something, man. So just give us your thoughts on this 2021 team. I know you're, tuned into it watching them so what things have struck you what things have surprised you and mm-hmm. what if anything makes you nervous for this stretch run as we get into the last half of the season here um you know and i, I you heard lewisine say it a couple other guys say it but it just feels different even from 17 you know even from 2012 and 2002 and the difference is, I just even those years when we were winning, you know, and went eight and zero or nine and zero before we went to Auburn in seventeen. It was like the way we were, were winning these games against quality teams and like just the vast. I mean, you know, we're, every other team in FBS is giving up hundred plus points, and we're giving up forty six. It's yep. like that disparity is crazy to me. I think the things that I've noticed are that I've been most impressed with it. You know, obviously the defense and the two things I've been really impressed with it coming to the year. I'm like really worried about was the guys out wide, but then you got these guys stepping up true freshmen everywhere, stepping up redshirt freshman and lad company. And then, uh, you know, I mean, 19 on offense, that dude, that's a freaking dude. I mean, that guy is a, I mean, born for football. Yeah. Yep. Um, Brock Bowers, and uh, but also, and so that has been huge, I think, for, for those guys that have stepped up and and you know, no matter who's playing quarterback. And then on the back end of the defense is the thing that you know, you put Keely Ringo in there, and I mean, the guy is just, I mean, maybe once, twice all year has he not won, won the matchup at the you know, the point when when somebody's throwing the ball his way, and it's like. And that dude's a redshirt freshman. And then, you know, you got Darren Kendrick on the other side where they just plug him in. And then, 
you know, to me, the most steady, the most solid duo of safeties in the country. Yep. Um, and, you know, this is that first year where it feels like, man, that recruiting has has built so much depth that it's like there's just no drop off hardly, you know, and yep. from that from the first team to the second team. Um, but I think, you know, what I think a lot has to do with, of course, there's talent, of course, there's all this, but, you know, I've heard Kirby talk about it, the emphasis on uh, bonding in the offseason and like loving each other and, and really getting to know each other at a deeper, deeper level, man, that stuff matters. And, and I think the emphasis on that this year, not that, it, not that everybody else, not that everybody else isn't doing some sort of that, but whatever they've done in the offseason has really, I think really paid dividends right now because these dudes love playing for each other. And the guys who aren't playing, they're not pouting. They're cheering their dudes on. And when they get their chance, they go in to shine and the same thing happens. And so, man, there's really something to be said about that. And it just feels like a special group, um, even with all the talent. And so, you know, the things that, that, uh, that worry you as a Georgia fan, you know, is does, you know, we, we've gotten used to at some point the hammer drops and there's something for us to overcome or that thing it breaks your heart. This team feels different on the other side of that. Man, we, you know, we're, we're, we done got, we done got bread this way now where we're like, <laughs> all right, all right now, where's, and, and I don't think there's any way to go through an SEC season without some kind of adversity to overcome during a game where you go, okay. Man, that was that moment where they could have lost that game and didn't. We haven't hit that yet. And so you wonder, does that come, or is this team just that dominant? I don't know. The other thing that worries me about the cocktail party, again, I think this team is too talented and too special of a team not to overcome this. But I think I think Mullen's going to throw, I mean, every single thing at us. Because, I mean, he ain't, play, he ain't coaching for his job, man, but that dude ain't. That dude ain't, you know, he ain't too comfortable over there right now. And so, but a win here would change the narrative big time for him. And so, you know, in that, anytime a team is desperate, which it feels like after those last couple games, that they're a little bit that way. Or the Kentucky game, they you know, lost to Bama, but that was kind of – the media made it seem like they won the game. You know what I mean? But yeah. Uh, also, man, you know, and so we'll see. You know, that's going to make it really interesting to see kind of, you know, we got to be ready for, I think, for them to throw the kitchen sink at us. Another team that to me is scary is Tennessee, man. And again, I don't X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's. I don't think they, they, I don't think they stand a chance on paper. And, and I think, you know, I think we're going to go to Knoxville and win that game because of determined and, and special, but man, that, that offense, they get that thing rolling, figured out. And the way they play is, I mean, the other night they were, the other night they three and out first versus Alabama. They went three and out. They were punting the ball with like 14-10 left in the first quarter. Like, I mean, they play so fast. Yep. And if you stop that, that's great. But it's just with as much movement as we have on defense, it's like that's the one thing that, that works. But obviously Kirby sees that too. So I know we'll have a plan. Um, going to Tennessee's tough no matter how – no matter what the team is like. But this team feels like they believe in that coach. It's early in year one. I just mean we can't trip up there. So, um, I think – but I think this team's on sort of a revenge tour like they were in 2017. And so, um, I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm confident moving forward. And um, just 
really excited about this stretch run here. And then, you know, all bets are off once we get to hopefully, hopefully Atlanta. So I want to peel back an onion that you brought up. You talked about the team being, being bonded and connected. And that has been a theme this year. You've got unique perspective on that because you've been in those locker rooms and been around teams And we've talked a lot about it on our show this season about whether that's something we as fans see and kind of make a bigger deal than it is or if that's real. Because to us, and it's been this way since we were in Charlotte for game one, we all commented on it then that they they look different. They look like they are really invested in each other up and down the roster. Not about one dude doing something or not one dude eating, but everybody eats and everybody's happy that everybody's eating. I don't know. It's just felt like a very tangible thing, even though it's immeasurable. Um, it's just something you can almost feel. But so is that something that we're blowing out of proportion or from year to year? Is that sometimes more of a reality for certain teams than it is for others? Yeah, I mean, I did, the years I was there, each team has its own personality for sure. And I think the teams that are having fun at practice because they're because they want to compete with each other and because they love each other and stuff. That's where it really is. You know, it's in practice and like preparation. And then game day, you either, you either like ready or not. And some of that, um, you know, but if guys are just like dreading being there or whatever, not to say that there was teams at Georgia that like, I felt that way, but you could feel the, the closeness and the bondedness more in some teams than others. And I think that goes a long way because, um, you know, any sport is part mental. Anyway, it's up here. And like when you got this, you know, when you got this thing right and, and everybody's on the same page and all, I think it makes it instead of, you know, instead of one, instead of a bunch of pieces scattered out going on, there's a bonded kind of thing that is rolling down the tracks. And it's really hard to stop that. Um, you definitely can feel it, you know, when you're from, from year to year. Uh, and it's just, I mean, think about it. You got 120 something people, humans in a locker room. Right. There's going to be times where those people are more cohesive or not, depending on the the personality, depending on, the, you know, just the disposition of that person. But also the head coach can help create some of that too, by how he loves on each guy and, and coaches up each guy. And I think Kirby's done a, man, I mean, a masterful job this year of, 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 of really digging diving into that just the psychology of it all i think is he's done a really good yeah i i'm with you man i i think i think it's been fostered i think it was the lesson for that team from 2020 and covid was that being segmented without their control led them to understand that hey this will work better if we all know why we're here like if we all know why we're pulling this rope and why we should be pulling it together instead of six guys pulling it this way and seven guys pulling it that way. And I think that's the beauty of him. And whether it's, whether it's just Kirby and what he's learned or maybe what he took from his dad, watching his dad coach all those years, or maybe it's things that he learned when he was with coach Saban. But I think he is very intentional about treating the mental aspect of the game with as much focus and intention as he is, 100%. you know, programming in the weight room and mm-hmm. practice periods and all these type of things. And man, I, 
I think if you can combine that piece of it to your point, like if you've got the headspace right and you combine that with the amount of talent that they've built on that roster, whew, boy, they're uh, it's a scary animal to deal with. I mean, they're just to your point, they're so loaded. I mean, you brought up a good point that they've just got so much depth. And the one that Boston I've talked about a ton, and he really flashed game one in Charlotte. But dude, Channing Tendall, I feel like has a jetpack in his in his shoulder pads. I mean. That guy sideline to sideline. I think he's going to make himself some money too. I, I saw Kuyper's mm-hmm. board where he had broken down the different positions. Channing was like sixth on his linebacker list, inside linebacker yeah. list. Like, I, these guys going to make some money. A lot of yeah. money. They're going to make and, some money, man. And have, you know, he's getting enough tape and he's flashing that right. even though he's playing that role where he's playing only maybe half the snaps or whatever or less, man. That I mean, that in itself, two things. That and a guy like Jermaine Johnson going to Florida State and leading the world and leading the ACC in every defensive category. <laughs> yeah. He probably wasn't going to play at Georgia. I mean, that don't tell you the depth. It's like, man, good gosh. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And it, it's not just him, right? right? Britton Cox at Florida. Otis Reese at Ole Miss. I mean. Burns, LSU. Yeah. I mean, these are these are all guys who are – in the two deep on that roster, and well, they didn't cut it. And you, yeah. you kind of look at it now, and you go, and maybe they don't go and get Darion Kendrick, but dude, does does Tyreek start if right. Darion transfers? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, man, and dude, Tyke Smith hadn't even played, like, mm-hmm. and isn't gonna play. So, yeah, it's it's been sub, and it has been awesome to watch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah it has been special for sure. Well, um, well, hey, we want to we want to test your, your college football knowledge here. We're gonna, we're gonna pick some games with you. Let's do it uh, in the battle for the ten pounds of red here. I think that would look be an excellent addition to the to the travel case for. I, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you got an interesting week too because five of the games this week are pickups, which is yeah. essentially I know. you're pick, you're picking winners. I mean, that's great. Yeah. The worst ones is me and Boss had a couple weeks where it's been like three or four games where we're just going okay. Is the team going to cover this spread, or is there going to be a backdoor cover by the underdog? Right. I feel like those are those are sometimes tougher. So but tough, all right, one we're going to start with is a big one. It's the battle for Paul Bunyan's trophy, Michigan yep. and Michigan State battle of the undefeated. College game day is going to be there. I think the whole college football world is essentially going to be there. I think big noon kickoffs there. I think the Barstool Sports College Football Show is going to be there. I mean, everybody and their mama going to be everybody. in East Lansing on Saturday. And, um, you know, this has been a heart pick for Boss Nile all year because we love Coach Tucker and, mm-hmm. you know, love what he's doing at Michigan State. But this is an interesting ballgame. And Michigan is a road favorite, four-and-a-half-point road favorite. Who do you like in that one? I like Michigan State, and not just because, I, you know, believer of Coach Tucker, but – Man, I just – I ain't buying Michigan. I just ain't. And and not going there, getting four and a half, I, you know, I, I think if it was a pick, I'd pick Michigan State. But with Michigan four and a half, I just – man, I think if they lo- – I think if Michigan State loses, it'll be field goal. Man, I just – but I see them winning the, winning the game outright. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. You know, and I could be wrong about Michigan. Just don't buy them. What do you think, boss? The only time I've been – on Michigan all season was when they were playing Wisconsin. Yeah. So, and the fact is in East Lansing, 
I really don't know if Michigan State pulls this out as a win, but four and a half road yeah. favorite. I don't understand this spread at all. I don't I, I'm I'm going with the Spartans for the, to at least cover, but I mean I'm I'm leaning towards picking them as, on a money line too this this week. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you boys. I, I love this. I mean, I, I I would take it if Michigan State was favored. I mean, that's how much I like the Spartans yeah. and I like what Coach Tucker's doing. Dude, that Kenneth Walker's a player. Like player. Coach Tucker essentially flipped that roster through the transfer portal. He has, um, you know, Kenneth Walker was a good player at Wake. I mean, he put up good numbers there. They just run that, like, that slow mesh zone read. I don't think it was up to his his skill set. But, I mean, even at Wake the first two years, he would pop big runs. And so, but this is the X factor for me, right? Obviously, Michigan knows that. So, they're going to say, we're going to try to take Kenneth Walker away. And I think Peyton Thorne's going to have to make some plays to win that ball game, which I think the only other time he's really been put in that spot was I thought Nebraska defended them pretty well. And Nebraska really, really could have won that football game against Michigan State. But so I I look for Peyton Thorne to make some plays and and I'm with y'all. I I think they cover and and I really like him to win straight up too. I think I think Coach Tucker's got built something special there. And I think those boys believe in him. So yeah man, I like Sparty. Also I'm gonna give you guys a little this is a, a nugget you'll never need, but Tom Sapp, one of our favorites, is the creator of Harry Dog, Dog's mascot, 1980 or 1980 National Championship season. After he did that, he got contacted by a bunch of different schools about creating mascots for their school. Second mascot he ever created was Sparty for Michigan State. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. So go Sparty. Um, okay, second game, compelling because Texas is like Jekyll and Hyde. And Baylor and Dave Aranda, for me, have been one of the surprises of college football. Uh, so Longhorns going to Waco to play Baylor. Baylor is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you like in that one? Um, that was one I was going back and forth on. Uh, I just think that – I think that Sark – I think Sark's going to get uh, – he's going to get a win this year that, you know, even though it's a two-and-a-half-point or whatever, I think he's going to clip somebody that – Maybe Vegas don't think he will, and he almost did against Oklahoma. Um, just feels like, for the most part, you know, Oklahoma State didn't work out. I think for the most part, he's got it going in the right direction, and for whatever reason, more of a gut than anything. I just think I think Texas is going to go, and you know, I still think the Texas people are feeling good about everything, and I think Sark is going. You know, he kind of needs, even though Baylor wouldn't be a signature win per se. I think he's going to go in there, and I think they're going to play well. What you got, boss? The main question for this game is, is the Dave Aranda to LSU rumors, is that a distraction for them? Right. I really don't think it is yet. I think maybe later in the seasons it gets closer to a decision that it might be. And Baylor's really the one team in the Big 12 that really does play pretty solid defense. This game doesn't really match up that well for Texas. I think the Bears win, and I think it's going to be pretty convincing. I, I, I take, take the Bears 10-plus. Oh, 10 plus. Yeah. Oh boy, this is going to be boss's lock of the week. I'm here for yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Um, as boss will tell you, Ray, I have a lot of reactionary picks on this right. show. And <laughs> Texas, Texas has burned me like three straight weeks. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was all in on them in the Red River shootout. Mm-hmm. Burned me. I was all in on them to beat Oklahoma State. They burned me. So I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. On the I get it. Um, 
I, I, it's one of these things where I don't, it's not that I feel super confident in Baylor. And uh, here's the other thing. And this is the reason I picked him a lot. I really like what Steve Sarkeesian does as a play caller. And I think if he is able to pull the coup of the century and get Arch Manning to spend three years in Austin, Texas, look out because they will score half a hundred every weekend just because Sark is going to put them in a great position. I was so impressed with what they did against us last year. And then I was so impressed with what they did against Florida in the SEC championship. It just, everything was schemed just right. They took advantage of all the weaknesses. And I think that's the beauty of his offensive mind. And yeah, I, I think that's a good fit for them. If he stays level and even, and doesn't kind of meander into some of yeah. the issues that he had at some of his former stops, <clears throat> but they burnt me. And so I'm picking the bears. <laughs> I get it. Plus that does seem like a pretty electric home atmosphere there in Waco yeah. with that new stadium and everything. I've never been to Waco, but looks, looks, looks like a cool little spot. Um, okay. This is another interesting one because I feel like Pitt is one of those, came out of nowhere teams. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask both of you boys a trivia question here. Pitt has one loss this year. Who beat Pitt? It was directional school. That's correct. Yeah. Hold on. I'm trying to remember who uh, it was. Was it Eastern Washington? Oh. Um, Farther West, East. West yes. Michigan? Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a big poll, my friends. Yeah. Yeah, I had no clues. So, <laughs> yeah. so look, they're undefeated in the ACC. And I was going, who the hell did they lose to? So I'm looking at their schedule. Oh, yeah. you know, they just lost to Western Michigan. What? Yeah. <laughs> so they are a, they're a Western <clears throat> Michigan loss away from being undefeated and squarely in the college football playoff conversation. Yes. Uh, it puts my brain in a pretzel. But, I mean, I guess in some ways it should have been expected. I feel like Narduzzi has been doing good things there, bringing some kids in. And then because of COVID, you get Kenny Pickett for an extra year. And so he's playing good football. Now, Miami's a little bit of a wild card because De'Aaron King's out. They got – I can't even think. Who's the new kid playing, boss? What's the kid playing quarterback now? Sor- Sorry, Sorensen, something like that? Well, they, they like – and they look good last week. I mean, they've looked good the past couple games the kids played. So, I, they're kind of a wild card for me. But Pitt is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home coming off that big win over Clemson, which I kind of feel like was a, a hump win for them. Yep. Like that's one that had bit them a couple times. So this, in some ways, to me, feels like, is there a letdown? So who do you like in this one, Ray? This is big for them because they, they have a straight path to the ACC title game if they can just take care of their own business. Since that loss, I think Pitt's had a lot of momentum. And, you know, I watched a lot of that game last week. That quarterback's playing good. And the defense is playing pretty good. I Man, I just – I don't trust Miami at all. And – they just – I just – to me, they still don't have the, the the train quite on the tracks. And I think going to Pitt – and I think you're right, it could be a letdown game. But I feel like – it felt like the, they felt like they expected to win that game, and they did. And I think they're coming out of that with a lot of confidence. And almost can – almost like Georgia right now can like, all right, see everything in front of them. Like, we cannot take our off the ball. Um, and I look for – you know, nine and a half is a lot. I still like them to cover. I like Pitt. What you think, boss? You, you rolling with Kenny Pickett fences here or what? I feel like they're just a dead team trying to play out the season. And, I mean, I know they've been better the past couple of weeks, but 
is there any situation that you see Diaz surviving this year? I don't. No, no. Pitt's, Pitt's rolling. Miami can't stop anybody. Even if they could potentially keep up, Pitt's going to pull away. If they're going to put up a ton of points. Miami can't keep up with them. I, I like Pitt. I like what they're doing. I, I think no different than the NFL. College is a quarterback-driven game. And if you've, if you've got a guy at that position that can keep you getting down the field and scoring points, you're just a step ahead of most people. So Kenny Pickett's real. I mean, kid's going to play in the NFL. He's a good player. And I'm going to tell you this, too. If they rock those quasi-powder blue jerseys and the mustard yellow pants the rest of the year, they probably won't lose. I mean, I just that. about as – just that. about oh, such a fresh look. Like, oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, Neon Dion said it best look good, play good, play good, get paid good. I mean, them boys look good last week. So, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I like pitting this one. I, I think it's interesting. I, I would love to see them win out and Wake win out and both of them play each other in the AC title game. I just think that'd be a lot of fun. Like, let me give you guys a fun Wake nugget because we're not picking Wake this week. Kid that plays quarterback at Wake, Sam Hartman. He was on season two of QB1, and he played at this, what at the time was a brand new school here in Charleston in Mount Pleasant called Oceanside Academy. And the head coach at the school, which is why Sam went there, was Coach Greer. Coach Greer had coached him in Charlotte. Well, Coach Greer is father of former Florida and West Virginia quarterback Will Greer. Okay. So really good coach. Sam played here for his senior year and then went to Wake. But um, really good player, and I love the QB1 tie-in, which if y'all have not watched the three seasons of QB1, boy, is it telling from like a recruiting and then what happens in college? Because Jake was on season one, Sam and Justin Fields were on season two, and then the interesting one for me was Spencer Rattler was on QB1 season three. Oh, wow. And so it's been very interesting based on what you saw in QB1 to see how his story has played out at Oklahoma. Because watching it, you were like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And and it was the it was the opposite for Jake. Like in QB1 with Jake, you went, oh, like this kid's he's got something. I don't know what it is, but he's got something. And so, yeah, it, it's really well done. The guy that does QB1 is Peter Berg, the guy that did Friday Night Lights. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good watch. And it's, it's a Netflix watch, so it's a good binge. Um, okay, uh, Ole Miss and Auburn. The Rebels are going to the Plains. Auburn is favored by one and a half. They obviously have been playing pretty well since the Georgia game. And Ole Miss has been playing great as well. So, I think this is more of can Auburn slow Ole Miss down because I'm not really sold on Ole Miss's defense so much. But um, what do you like here in the battle of the quarterbacks, Ray? You, you going with Bo Nix and the Tigers, or are you going with Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin and the Land Sharks? I honestly have – I can't figure this one out. I don't know. I can't figure it out at all. But I do know that I can't stand Auburn. And so for that <laughs> reason only, I'm picking against them. Boy, this see, this is why Ray fits in so well. That is that is that is just right up our alley from a yeah. logic perspective, right there. Yeah. <laughs> what what you think, boss? Who you got? Do you have to even ask? You should have this nope. penciled in already. Uh, Bo Nix is still the quarterback at Auburn, right? It's the same yeah. answer every week. So I'm going with Ole Miss. And 
one other tidbit. Could Harson have made a stupider comment this week about the COVID comments? I mean, really? Are you what trying he, to create distractions for your team? What he just, said is he just dodged the question of basically saying that it's not nobody's business whether he's vaccinated or not, and because the ma- the mandate in Alabama, I think, is December eighth about for state employees or whatever, or university employees or whatever, basically to avoid the Washington state fiasco with the head coach over there. And it's like, Mm. okay, uh, you're just either you're delaying the information becoming public if you're not, or you are December 8th, but why create the distraction for your team when you're playing well? I just, (laughs) I I don't know. That was just idiotic. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like given the stuff with Rolovich too, like that's obviously been a nuclear football pun intended and i don't know you kind of got to have a sit down with the with the sports media relations department and be like okay how are we going to attack this so that i don't say something i don't want to say but we also don't create this firestorm but yeah i agree i i think they've got some good things happening on the field but i wouldn't trust bo nicks far as i could throw him when it comes to making a good decision in a big game um and look i i think the other piece of is Oh, Miss is a lot of fun, right? Like no. they're a fun team to watch. They play well. I think Matt Corral is a really, really good quarterback. And I think it's because he does things that hurt you just as bad with his feet as he does with his arms. I mean, he's, he's got to be impossible to defend. And I know he's kind of got <clears throat> tugged at and hit a little bit for the Alabama game, but I kind of put a lot of that on Lane. Like Lane put them in a really tough spot by going for what, like seven fourths downs in the first yeah. quarter. I mean, he didn't really give him a, a fighter's chance. And I thought Corral played just fine. So, um, yeah, I, I like this old Miss team. I think I think they will uh, go on the planes and get a big win for them. Plus, it keeps them squarely in play. Where yeah. if Alabama gets tripped up again, Ole Miss gonna be in Atlanta if if they take yeah. care of their business. So yeah, I, I like Ole Miss in this game. Okay. This one is super interesting to me just because I think Kentucky is a really interesting football team. Uh, I don't feel any differently about them than I did before they played Georgia. I think they're a good football team. And I think Mark Stoops is a damn good football coach. Um, they're a half-point favorite going into Starkville to play boss's second-favorite coach in all of America, Coach huh. Leach, behind Kirby Paul Smart. And um, dude, Will Rogers is fourth, fourth best passer in all of America. Got fourth most yards in all of America. So, I mean, Mississippi State – Interesting team too, um, but yeah. So this is a this is a pickup essentially. So who you, who you liking this one, Ray? I mean, I know that Alabama is Alabama, but for me, I think the real Mississippi State is. I think Mississippi State is more like that Alabama score than they would like to admit. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the Kentucky, I think Kentucky's going to punch them in the mouth. And I think they're going to run and run. Run and I think Rodriguez is going to have some big runs. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think they go in and anyway. I just think like when you when you just watch the two teams play, and it's just different. It's, it feels different style of football, and I I don't know that they can hang on the line on you know up front with with Kentucky. So, what do you think, boss? Who are you liking this? I know this is going to be conflicted for you because you love that Kentucky O line. That's your boys, but then. You know, I know you're on that cowbell bandwagon, baby. Yeah. I love I love Leach. He just doesn't have the horses this year, especially on defense. I think that that defense for Mississippi State is very similar to what we saw against Alabama. I think the offense is a little better than what we saw against Alabama for Mississippi State. But 
Kentucky's just, I mean, they're just a damn good team. I mean, they just are. They're solid up front on both lines. They run the ball well, and they have a good play-action game. And, I mean, they have a very good shot at going 11-1 and this year, and I don't I don't see this being a I, – I guess it's a pick-em game because it's at Starkville. I, that's the only thing I can think of why this would be a pick-em game for the three-point swing. But, I mean, I still think Kentucky should be favored probably by at least two in this, even being in Starkville. So, I, I think I'm taking Kentucky. Here's the thing for me with this game. What Kentucky wants to do is the exact opposite of what a Mike Leach coach team wants you to do against him, right? He wants his offense on the field as much as possible so that they can score as many points as possible. If Kentucky does what they do, and they've shown throughout the season that they're going to impose their will and do what they want to do, they're going to run the football, they're going to control the clock, and their front seven is going to control the line of scrimmage when they're on defense. And that is not a good equation for that Mississippi State team because if Kentucky is just holding the football and grinding clock, that that offense works best when they are on the field getting reps, moving fast, and, and ripping. And I don't know, man. I just – I think this is a bad matchup for Mississippi State. And I think Kentucky could go in there and win by a couple touchdowns. I mean – I think they're on a mission. They they seem real to me. I, he's gone and gotten kids that would have liked to have played at other SEC schools, and he got them to Lexington, and they bought in. And you can just tell those kids love him, man. And I, I think it's any team is dangerous when they're behind their head coach like that. So, yeah, I like him. Plus, I think that Wondell Robinson kid's a hell of an athlete. I mean, yeah. I just think they have good players. And I think Levis gets better every week. So, yeah, I, I like Kentucky. All right, this is an interesting one. This is kind of the who could challenge Cincinnati game for um, Cincinnati being kind of, I guess you could say, a CFP spoiler or crashing the CFP party. SMU playing Houston. This is another pick. Houston's a half-point favorite at home. Dana Holgerson's team there in Houston having a nice year. And then you've got SMU with Coach Dykes. Coach Dykes being rumored to possibly end up in Texas Tech after their opening uh, came open this week. Their quarterback has one of the all-time names in all of college football, Tanner Mordecai. I mean, that kid didn't have any any shot but to be good at sports. What a fantastic PA name that is. Big win for his parents there. I mean, excellent name choice. So, uh, yeah, and he's the number eight passer in the country. A lot of, a lot of kids flinging it around the yard this year, which I love. Um, so, who are you liking that one, Ray? Um, I'm going SMU, and not because I know a ton about either team. I just um, – the uh, man, obviously they. If you look back, they probably they, de- they probably deserved it. But for that team to come back from the death penalty and like for so long, just be as bad, bad. as hell, bad. Yeah. <laughs> and now they got you know they they've had something going for them, and um, you know, and Dana, I don't know, he's a little bit of a loose cannon over there. I just maybe I'm just pulling for him in this one. Maybe that's what it is. But uh, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go SME Mustangs, baby. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I feel like you don't have much choice. You you got to pick SMU. Yeah, <laughs> the mask the mascot's got to push you that way, brother. Yeah. Um. All right, boss. What you think on this? I'm gonna go a purely heart choice here. I have a West Virginia ties. A lot of friends that went to WVU, <laughs> and Holgerson's kind of a jackass. Really nice way to put it. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with SMU. There so, you go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I like SMU. I, I think Sonny Dykes is a good coach. I mm-hmm. think I love what they do on offense. They score a lot, which I, I absolutely love. Um, dude, the Mordecai kid can play. I mean, th- they got some players. Plus, also electric uniforms. I mean, oh, SMU. I mean, they look fire. they look fresh. So, yeah. um, plus, I kind of want them to win selfishly because if they can win out. It'll just be a monster game between them and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I would just love to see that because I think they're different personalities. SMU wants to score a lot of points. Cincinnati mm-hmm. and Luke Fickle want to play good defense. And then, you know, obviously got Desmond Ritter, who's a great player at quarterback. So I just think that'd be a lot of fun from a college football fan's perspective. So, yeah, I like SMU in this. But I think it's going to be an awesome game to watch. I, this is a fun – it's a fun Saturday of football in general. Like a lot of compelling games to watch. Now – this one got more interesting, I think, because of the game with Illinois and maybe, too, with all this USC stuff going on. But Penn State going to the horseshoe to play Ohio State, which looks not as big on paper as it probably would have been if they had taken care of their business against Illinois last weekend. But Ohio State is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Since uh, C.J. Stroud took his week off to rest the shoulder, he has come back and just lit the yard up each week. I mean, they are scoring points at will. but. Uh, it's still kind of a big number. So who, who, what do you think in that one, Ray? You think they cover that? That's a big number. Um, I do think that uh, – I mean, I think that, that Ohio State offense is on fire right now. And I think, um, you know, it almost feels like each week they're still trying to make up for that Oregon loss. You know, and I feel like – I also feel like Penn State is a team that could go in there and if they get down early, I think it might get away from them. Um, after that last, you know, because they're they were thinking this game was going to be so much bigger, and I just, just don't think Penn State's very good to me. Yeah. Um, also, I think I think James Franklin's a jackass too. If we're just being honest, so <laughs> mm-hmm. add all that together, I looked at it and a number that big. I, I I thought in my mind like it didn't even. I went Ohio State even looking at the number, and so my gut reaction was that because of how they're playing and. Penn State is just not that great to me. And I think, you know, I I don't think they have the horses to really get out to some two-touchdown lead against Ohio State. And Ohio State comes back and takes care of business. I think Ohio State, I just – I think they come out, and I, I think it's not going to be – What about you, boss? What do you think? I hate both these teams. I want to pick Penn State. <laughs> I really do. I really want to pick Penn State, but – Ohio State hasn't played a, a defense with a pulse since Oregon. And they put, they're putting up video game numbers. Penn State does have a, a pulse on defense, but their offense has been in shambles since Clifford got hurt. And even though he came back last week, he, he doesn't look right. Mm-mm. So I, I don't see how Penn State keeps this remotely close. And then you throw in the distractions on top of it. I mean, th- they get down. I, I think they get down by – Two scores quick, and they're just like Ray said, they're just going to roll over, and it's going to get away from them. Especially in the shoe, I mean, that place is going to be nuts. Yeah. So I, I think this is going to be a, a blowout, and it's going to be over. You know, I think I think by the end of the first quarter, maybe early second quarter, like Penn State fans are going to be sorry they spent the money going. Did y'all see James Franklin's press conference this week? I did. Yes. I did. I'm. I mean, it, I was uncomfortable watching it. Like. He said, when we play Illinois like five times and then said we're going to go to the big house, like, I mean, 
dude, you're the CEO of the program. Yeah. Like, and you're telling all the guys on your roster to come in every day and be present and be focused in meetings and take all this stuff in. And you're coming out as the front facing leader of the program in front of the collected media and talking about playing Illinois, not once, not twice, like five times. He said it. I mean, it, it just, it was a bad look. And I think it was yeah. an even worse look given all the scuttlebutt about him possibly going to USC. It yeah. just makes him look to me as an outsider super disengaged after they just had as a program a demoralizing loss yeah they lost at home to an illinois team who is not good good. and they scored 18 points in nine overtimes now granted it's not real overtime because they're going for two points after what the second overtime or whatever but even still i don't know there's something going wrong there and i don't know what it is and to your point boss I do think some of it is the Clifford injury. They've been wrong since he got hurt. I mean, they would have beat Iowa if he hadn't gotten hurt. I, I fully believe that. But he ain't right, and they're not right. And I'm with y'all, man. I, I just think Ohio State is going to come out at the shoe at night. They're going to be hot and on fire. They're going to get up early. And then that Penn State team, they cannot play from behind. They're just – they're not built that, they're not built that way. So – I'm with you, Ray. That was the thing for me. I saw the number and I was like, man, that's a big number. And I was like, Ohio State gonna win by like 25. Yeah. And so like gut wise, I just, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think, and to your point too, they are going to battle that Oregon loss the rest of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the only chance they have to get back into that CFP conversation is to just dump trumpet everybody until they get to the Big Ten title game. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think this is a you know, a platform game for them to come out and really show everybody that they're back in it and real. So yeah, I I look for them to try to make a statement there. I like Ohio state with this. All right. This is the Bronco bowl Bronco Mendenhall and the Cavaliers going out to play his old school BYU. BYU is a one and a half point favorite. And before we start drop, drop it on him boss. Drop on Ray, which you told me about the quarterback at UVA, but fell off my chair when you told me it's the first time. He's back in the lead now, by the way. UVA's quarterback, which I cannot remember his name, is the leading leading the lead, the NCAA in passing yardage. Wow. All of college football, homie. Yeah. Virginia. All of college football. Virginia. Virginia. Wow. <laughs> he was one a few weeks ago, fell to three, and now he's back at one. Brennan Armstrong is his name. Brennan, Brennan Armstrong. Armstrong. I, I, he I, I, I he look looks up. like a Brennan. He does look like a Brennan. Yeah. Like you uh, see his face. On, like he on. just looks like a Brennan. He he just he as as the fellows in the locker room would say, he just looks like a pair of shoes. Like he comes in, he just looks like a pair of shoes, man. Like, <laughs> but he he can play, man. I, it's yeah. He doesn't he doesn't just fling it. He can run a little bit too. I mean, he's he's a pretty good ball player. But yeah, it's it's an interesting game. It's ten fifteen kick, ten fifteen Eastern kick. So we get a little nightcap action. So yeah. BYU, UVA, the Bronco Bowl, BYU one and a half point favorite. Where, where are you feeling on this one, Zach? I mean, I'm going with BYU, and the only reason is because, I mean, it's just weird. Like, I was on that team that went out to Arizona State and played, and, like, Georgia won the game, much better team than Arizona State, but it was sort of mm-hmm. a struggle. And I just remember how different it felt out there, and, like, it's just a, a, a strange, like, grueling kind of travel out there. And so – um. Yeah, I, and UVA don't do that a lot. I think BYU at home. Um, 
Yeah, I th- I'm taking BYU in that. What you think, boss? I'm gonna go with your rule. I'm I'm gonna go with the Cougars. <laughs> I don't want to, but I'm gonna follow your rule. I I, I was originally gonna go with UVA. Uh, you'll hear it in a second, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Cougars. I, I was originally gonna go with UVA, but I don't like he. Uh, Mendenhall has not beaten BYU. If I if I remember correctly, he has not beaten BYU since he left. That's correct. I'm pretty sure that's right. He, he so I and I don't think he does it. If this was at in Charlottesville, I think they win this year. But the fact that they got to go the whole way across the country, I don't think they win. And this is basically a pick'em game. So I'm, I'm I think BYU wins, and I mean by two or more. This is a hard and fast life rule, brother. I never pick UVA in anything sports related. It is in their DNA to screw it up. Hundred percent. So. I, it, it's just a hard and fast thing. And then boss puts me in a pickle last week. Cause I needed a 10th game. And I'm like, all right, dude, you pick the 10th wildcard game. You pick the 10th. And he's like, right. let's pick, let's pick UVA, Georgia tech. And I'm like, Oh, for God's sake. Like I got a hard and fast life rule that I'll never pick UVA in anything, but I'm sure as hell not going to pick Georgia tech. Heck. So like, yeah. I mean, you talk about rocking a hard place here. Like, so I had to pick UVA last week and I was dead set all week long. I was like, Georgia Tech's going to go in there and blow the doors off of them just because you shouldn't pick UVA. You shouldn't pick UVA. (laughs) Well, now they've put me in a a big time brain pickle because they won last week and covered. So now I'm, I'm all messed up about it. And they got this kid just slinging it for like 400 a night. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to process this. However, and I also love Bronco Menon. I think he's a good coach. I thought it was a good hire uh, for UVA because, God, they have gotten in their way for so long. Yeah. But I think there is a lot of validity to what you said about the travel. And I think that's an even bigger deal for college kids who aren't used to doing it. Mm-hmm. So, and what, they, they probably will fly out Friday morning, right? So they're going to fly out Friday morning, weird, mm-hmm. weird time change. And then they got to play Saturday and it's going to be a seven fifteen local time kick, but it's going to be ten fifteen in their brain. Like, I don't know. It's almost like the reverse noon kick, right? Like, yep. I, I, I just think semantically it's going to be, a, it's going to be a tough play. I, again, I think it's a, a fun ball game because that BYU team needs a win bad. We're yep. talking, they went from being undefeated to getting what Boise state popped them first. And then they just lost to Baylor last weekend or the week before. So they need something good to happen. And I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of juice with this. So yeah, I'm with you boys. I'm taking BYU. I'm going back to my life rule. No way. Wahoo. Wah. Not happening. They're, they're not, it's not going to happen. Now watch they're going to burn me because I've talked all this trash on them. <laughs> all right. Now, probably my new favorite rivalry that I researched today. Fresno State, San Diego State, the battle for the old oil camp. I mean, all-time electric rivalry trophy. I'm just 100% here for that. It's, this is another pickup. San Diego State, half-point favorite at home. San Diego State undefeated and ranked. I'm sure Fresno State would like nothing more than to bust all that up. Also, mm-hmm. San Diego State coached by former Michigan coach Brady Hoke. So, Wow. Who knew Brady out there in the West Coast living his best life? Yeah. Um, all right, who you liking that one, Ray? Who, who's taking home the oil can, brother? I'm going Fresno State um, for the the sole reason 
that one of my favorite people that I've met on radio tour, uh, she works for a radio station out in California and in Fresno, big Bulldogs fan. And so for my girl, Amanda, I'm going to go for, I got to go Bulldogs on and the D O G S version. That's right. That's right. All right. What you think boss? Who's taking home that oil can brother? I am taking San Diego state because behind our Georgia Bulldogs, they are the second best defense in stop rate in the country. That's true. And I took them last week against Air Force, and that mm-hmm. pulled well for me then. So I'm going to mm-hmm. stick with them this week too. Yeah, you did. That burned me last week. I took Air Force because Air Force has been my my spread pick all year. Yeah, this I don't know what to do with this game. Um, San Diego State's having a great year. To your point, boss, they have a fantastic defense. Um, I just don't know a whole hell of a lot about either one of these teams. So I'm yes. making a very uninformed decision. Although I need to get into this rivalry though, because let me, let me tell you what I, what I learned in my research. Apparently where this all came from was they were doing some kind of dig on San Diego state's campus, like for a new building or something to lay foundation. And they found an oil can with Fresno state, like university on it. Because wow. apparently back in the day, like buses and stuff would carry these oil cans. And then when they were empty, they just would leave them. Right. Yep. So apparently they, they've been playing this ball game, which I also didn't know since like 1932. So it's a legit rivalry. Like they've been playing a long ass time. So anyways, they, they had a contest back in the mid two thousands or something to figure out what the, what the rivalry would be. And so that this was the winner. And it, it's it's an electric trophy. Like it looks awesome. So I don't know. Pick them. I don't know what to do with this. I think of Fresno State, and I see our boy who who was the head coach there for like years and years and years. Pat, uh, what was the guy's name? He had the handlebar mustache. Oh all those yeah, years. You know what I'm talking about. Is it Pat Narduzzi? God, he no. was there forever. I know you're talking about. I can't think of his name though. Yeah, I just think about you know David Carr and. Yeah. Anyways. All right, boss. I'm using my reactionary pick theory. I'm taking the Aztecs because I didn't take them last week and got burned on them. So I'm taking them. I'm going to go with your, with your stop rate stat. That's sold. Me. There you go. That, that was a, that was a, yep. You, you won the congregation there. Okay. Most important pick of the night. Whole reason we're here. Greatest rivalry in my opinion, in college football, Georgia, Florida, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Let me drop something on y'all. If you are a Georgia fan, this is the 100th meeting of Georgia and Florida. Wow. Okay. If you, if you are a Florida <laughs> fan, this is only the 99th meeting. Mm. The school, Florida does not recognize the first ever meeting between Georgia and Florida, which happened in 1904. They played it in Macon, Georgia. The dogs absolutely demolished the Gators. Hammered them. And won first game in the series. However, apparently the official University of Florida did not have its charter or mm. whatever till like 1906 or something. But this team that came and played identified themselves as the University of Florida. So Georgia counts it. Florida doesn't. So depending on who you root for, it's either the 100th or the 99th playing of the game. Once again, I'm here to give you all the facts that you'll never need again in your life, but there it is. So 
in what we are going to call the hundredth meeting in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. The dogs are number one in the country, undefeated, looking like an absolute steamroller, and they are 14 and a half point favorites over not just hated, but like the I mean, loathed the gay spies. Despise. Who who you like in this one, brother? So if it wasn't for that, uh, you know, scoring with two seconds left versus Kentucky, the dogs cover every spread this year. And I think Vegas likes the dogs for a reason, has all year. And every time something happened, you know, you don't hear much about it this week, but when the when the Arkansas spread came out, people were like, What in the world? It's too and then they go. Yep. Then the Kentucky line came out, and they're like, "Vegas is crazy." And then they should have, you know, scored at the end, whatever. Give them credit for that. But you know, getting fourteen and a half, I do think that Florida's going to come out and throw everything possible at us. I think it might be close at halftime, but I think I don't think they got. I think whatever they're going to throw at us. They're going to show in the first half because they're going to have to, I think. And I think whatever adjustments we make it in the second half, I think we shut them down. I think we score a couple. I think we, I think we put them away early fourth quarter, cruise to a seventeen to twenty point victory. Dogs on top. I like. I like this. Where you at on this, boss? I really don't need to say a whole lot more. I mean, I agree pretty much to a T with what Ray said. Dan is going to come out and throw the gimmicks, the throwbacks. The He's basically going to run that to drive at the end of the first half that Kentucky ran pretty much the entire first half of the game, I think, because he has to. Or if not, he's going to play a lot more than he has because he can't trot out Jones. They cannot trot out Jones and ex- expect to do better. They play Richardson more. And, you know, for a freshman to go against this defense, I mean, come on. That's just, that's just asking for trouble. Richardson's more talented, but he's raw. They're going to have to come up with the gimmick stuff. They may score more than we've given up this year. I fully expect them to. But Georgia's just talented too deep, and Dan is such a doofus, and Kirby hates him that much. I I think Kirby might want to run up the score. You got to tell the people you're going to be in the house, brother. Yes, I'm going to my first cocktail party this this year. So finally going to a cocktail oh, party. Great. Taking my wife to her first dogs game ever. So this will also – but unfortunately, I'll be sitting next to two Gator fans because my brother and sister-in-law are both wow. Gator fans. So that will be also interesting, very interesting in the dog section. So I feel sorry for them. <laughs> well, no, nobody's perfect. We'll, 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 we'll pray so. for them. But it, in all seriousness, though, do- dogs are going to roll on this. Dan's, Dan can pull out all the tricks he wants, but the dogs are going to roll in this. They're just too deep, too talented. Okay. Dan gets his first win over Kirby and the dogs last year. All right. Jordan Davis didn't play. Lewis Seen gets thrown out when he shouldn't have got thrown out for knocking Kyle Pitts in the next week. Mm-hmm. So Lewis Seen didn't play. Stetson Bennett separates his shoulder on the play that puts the dogs up 14 nothing, and we essentially play with zero offense for the final three quarters of the game, okay? It took all of that, and the best roster Dan's had with Kyle Trask and Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts to be
beat Kirby and beat the Dogs. All right. Not only is Jordan Davis fixing to play the whole game, not only is Lewisine fixing to play the whole game, all their junkyard dog friends are going to be coming too. Okay. And I love that Kirby referred to Nicobe Dean this week as the commander in chief of Georgia's defense. I really just want them to now go by the Department of Defense. I just want them to be called that. Um, all I could think when he said that was I was envisioning the famous portrait of Washington crossing the Delaware and Nakobe is standing in the, the boat, like in Washington space and Jordan Davis is on one side of him and Lewis Cena is on the other side and all the other dogs are in the, uh, in the boat and there's just gators in the water as they're just mowing across it. So that's all I could think when Kirby said that. And if I had the artistic talent, I would have drawn that so I could show that to the world. But that's just a step inside this brain. Boss is used to this. <laughs> so I just think given all of that and given the fact that, and you talked about this earlier, Ray, I think they are on a revenge tour. And I think this is the game that has been circled like 78 times in red marker as that. soon as it was over with. And I think they are going down there, not just focused, but intent on putting an ass whipping on Dan Mullen and the Gators. And so, yeah, I like him to cover, and I think it's going to be big. Like, I think it's going to be 2017 big. I just think the talent disparity is big. And I think with what our defense is going to do, they are going to have a hard time doing what they want to do on offense. I just, I think Dan is going to have a fantastic, Dan Landing is going to have a fantastic game plan like he has all year. And regardless of who plays quarterback, Coach Munkin, can we talk about this, has been, mm-hmm. I think, one of the most undersold commodities in all of college oh, football this year. Unbelievable. I, I mean, the only, he, the only good thing about, about him being undersold is that hopefully we keep him. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But given the fact that We've had um, no George Pickens, no Arik Gilbert, essentially no Jermaine Burton, essentially no Kiaris Jackson, no Arian Smith, essentially no Marcus Roseme Jackson, and are putting up the amount of points we're putting up Great. with Lad, Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers, and for most of the season, Stetson playing quarterback. Like, I, I don't know how Coach Monk is not up for coordinator of the year, right? Like, it, yeah. So this, as we get healthier, because they're saying that Arian's probably going to play and ho- hopefully Marcus too. Yeah. Darnell is healthy and I think will be, I think he's very undersold and will be a weapon. I think so. The, the back half of the season. I just, man, I think they're going to scheme it so well. And like you telling me in the chess match between the wizard, Todd Munkin, and third and Grantham, we're not feeling good about that, boys. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that jump against LSU was like, how? They kept running the same counter. Get running yeah. the same. All day. <laughs> I think that's the other problem is that from a personnel perspective, Florida just, they just don't stay home. Like, I, I don't think anybody on their defense plays their assignment. And the Coach Mulkin is going to eat that up. I, I think the dogs win big. I think, boss, for your first ever cocktail party, you're just going to have about the best time that you can have. And I feel bad for your in-laws. They're going to be going home real, real sad. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a long day to be a Gator. So, yeah, big time dogs in this one. Love it. All right, boys. Well, hey, look, 
I think we all got a lot of similar picks here. So if everything works out right, seven and three is your number to tie or beat. Okay. And if you get to seven and three, we have to get some more picks from you SEC Championship Week because that's going to be our tiebreaker. <laughs> all, right. all, right. Um, all right, buddy. Hey, before we let you go, tell everybody where they can come see you and support you and where they can get Larkin Hill mixes, where they can yep. stream things. Just tell them every single way they can support you. Tell them about where they can get pretty good ball merch, where they can make donations. Tell them anything and everything. Yeah, so – uh, we're on tour with Luke Combs right now and doing some of our own shows, but all that's on the website, rayfilmsmusic.com. And uh, there's merchandise on there. Uh, you can get the Pretty Good Ball hats at prettygoodball.com. And uh, don't have one on right now. I got my old school 80 hat on. Uh, and it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Facebook is just Ray Fulcher if you type it in. And it's the one with the blue check mark on it. There's a lot of, man, there's some crazies out there. So there's maybe other Ray Fulchers, but that's the one. And then it's Ray Fulcher Music on Instagram. And uh, on Twitter, it's a throwback to that old Brett Eldridge song. It's at call me underscore Raymond. So. Well, look, y'all make sure and support Ray. Y'all know darn well if you listen to this show that we are huge advocates for him. And look, this is we've been very clear about how talented he is as a musician and a songwriter. But that's all secondary to he's also just a plus person. And if for no other reason, you support him for that. So Harlem's favorite son. I know his mom and daddy are proud because God bless. Why wouldn't they be just a good boy? So, um, Hey brother, keep tearing it up, man. We're obviously always rooting for you. And, uh, you come on here and hang out with us, talk dogs whenever you want, man. Let's do it. Hey, I appreciate it all. And a uh, big go dog, bring home a victory boss. That's it, man. <laughs> Definitely will. Go it. dogs. <laughs> all right, boys. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.